Okay, I guess we can start it's about 4.30, 4.31. Welcome to the workshop, Planning a Route, Developing a Personal Food Plan. My name is Lil. I'm a compulsive overeater and the moderator for this session. Before we begin, please turn off your cell phones and pagers. This workshop is being taped. All opinions expressed by those who share are their own and not necessarily those of OA as a whole. The format for this session is a reading, two speakers, basket basket questions, and sharing on the topic. A basket with paper and pencil will be circulated for you to write any questions you may have for the speakers. Please specify whom your question is for. The reading is from Dignity of Choice. And I guess I can start that. All right, so it's from page three. It's called Reviewing Our Eating Patterns. To develop a plan of eating, we review our eating patterns in order to learn which foods and or eating behaviors create cravings. Discussing our eating history with a sponsor and health care professional gives us objectivity and insight. When we seek help in developing a plan of eating, we practice the willingness to review our behaviors in a way we would not be able to do on our own. We have learned that a suggestion made by a sponsor or healthcare professional should not be automatically rejected just because it makes, me, makes us feel uncomfortable. We believe that the body and mind of a compulsive eater reacts differently to food than the body and mind of a normal eater. We find it best to list and then remove all the foods, ingredients, and behaviors which causes problems for us. We urge you to be honest and not continue eating certain foods or practicing certain behaviors simply because you can't imagine ever living without them. Okay, our first speaker is Stacy from San Gabriel, who will speak for 20 minutes. Well, hi everyone, I'm Stacy. I'm a compulsive reader. And I am so grateful to be assigned this room and not next door because I froze for two meetings over there and it feels super warm in here. I love it. Anyways, I, um, I'd love to share with you what it was like and what's happened to change me and then to get on to the topic of really what this is all about, which is the, um, what's it called? Planning a route, developing a personal food plan. And I'm really glad it didn't say a personal physical food plan because in my opinion, I think it's important to talk about the spiritual food plan too. So that's where I want to head with it. I guess because this is a disease that is, we really see the physical side from a person first, um, I'll, I'll pass pictures around. I'm very grateful to have, do you mind starting it, Randy? I'm very grateful to have been um, relieved of 75 pounds, having started at 213 pounds, weighing in around 138 now, and um, going from a size 22 to a size 10. Um, this is a great delight, and my abstinence date is January 19th from two and a half years ago, so 03. Um, I started attending a week prior to my abstinence, and I was hopeless. I didn't understand how food could have me licked. I mean, I was educated. I had been in school, you know, seven years of college, professional. I had a wonderful, supportive husband. It didn't make sense to me why I couldn't control food. Um, I had been successful during Weight Watchers, having taken off 55 pounds for preparation of a 20th high school reunion and returned and regained 35 pounds in three months. And that was it. That two-pound box of seized candy that I knew was going to come from a vendor arrived on my doorstep, and I had sworn that it was going to go to my husband's office. And within 10 minutes, I said, I'll have one piece. And two hours later, the whole box was gone. 
Now, I had full intention of not eating that. And even today, I'm still a compulsive overeater. And honestly, I have full intention of not eating some of the foods I eat. But if you're like me, if you don't, for that one second window of opportunity we have, turn to your higher power and ask for the relief of that food. If you don't get spiritually fit that day, then you know what? It goes from here to here like that. And that was happening to me over and over. And I had a relationship with God, but I was distancing myself from God. I really had put up some walls because, you know, I made too many promises, promises that weren't being kept, and I was feeling very guilty and very frustrated. And when I arrived at these doors, having come here because somebody in my Weight Watchers meeting was a recovering alcoholic, and I said, Bruce, I am so just like you, only I'm a chocoholic. And he pressed at me. He handed me the card with the 12 steps and said, Honey, maybe you need Overeaters Anonymous. And a month later, that's when I found myself in these rooms. For some silly reason, I had and still have a digital voice recorder because I'm really anally organized and, you know, I, my, my list has to be written down and sometimes it's not in front of me, so that's my list. And I decided to record myself when I was um, going to my first few meetings the first few weeks and I've been told to continue sharing that. So this is not for me to record you, but for you to hear me. And I'm going to play what I said as I was to show you how hopeless and, you know, how I felt at the time. If I push the right button here. I just actually told her, I just said, I'm really, really, really emotional because there's a lot of really kind of people there. I didn't feel it was a great session, but rather maybe even give you these professionals, young people my age. My mom is single, and a lot of support, an awful lot of support of people that have succeeded and have figured it out and are still working it. And I don't know, the only way I can say it's normal to me because, anyways, I just came up a lot of crying um, just because I'm new and I'm learning. And I can see that this is a disease that I, I am just revealing an awful lot about myself. It's just, I'm so sure in the future if I keep coming back and if I keep working this program, I'm so sure I'll laugh about this right now. But right now it's really tough. And I don't wish this upon people, and I just wish that I could make it through, and that I could be stronger than what I am. I tried to avoid the drunk that 
um, is bad for me. I think physically it's more difficult. In order to get through some periods of time, I've gone ahead and I've eaten the junk, like, say, buy a bag of M&Ms or something. Just it's almost like a drug, I guess, you know, just feeding it to me. Because when I calm down and I feel so much better physically, but then obviously it's the emotional uh, pain and hurt that I just, you know, did that. And anyways, um, at the meeting on Tuesday, somebody said if you only go to just, if you only go to next two minutes or a lifetime, just go to the birthday party, you learn something that's awesome. So here I am at the OA's 43rd birthday party celebration um, at Country Plaza near LAX. What a godsend, that 43rd annual birthday party. To go to a convention is medicine to my program. I haven't missed a convention in the two and a half years I've been. One week after coming into program and not starting my abstinence yet, but whether buying, I was eating three to six candy bars a day, folks. I was buying the big bags of M&M's to clean my house. And so I share with you the last bag of M&M's I ate right here. I bought this bag on my way to the convention that Saturday morning. And I had to toss this baby off in the car before I could make that commitment to start that afternoon, Sunday, January 18th. Um, but going to the convention, and all of them subsequently, you know, all the Region 2s or the L.A. birthday party conventions, you know, to hear 20 speakers, somebody suggested it, I did it. Somebody suggests something to me today, I'll try it. You know, I didn't get everything I have today overnight. It's come bits and pieces. But I think that God made me willing, finally willing. You know, I, I think it's true that he brings us to this program when we're right and when we're ready. And when I first came, I was really ticked. Why didn't it happen sooner before I started having children? At the time, my children were two and a half and four and a half. And I was a really busy mom. Um, and the reason why I include photos of my children who are now five and seven is because truly they are a part of my program. You know, I'm a better mom now as a result of this program. And my children saw me cry and sob for a week or two straight. And, um, and they're very much a part of it, I feel, you know, in my family, really. But um, when I came to that convention, I listened. I had open ears. I was willing, and I listened. And I sought help, and I asked, how do you get abstinent? What do you do? I just asked questions. I took phone numbers. I love taking phone numbers. I'll take yours if you want to give it to me. Because I think outreach calls are magical. And, um, and on that trip home that evening after staying in my car and taking the first second step, I just said, God, I'm powerless over food and my life is unmanageable and only you can return me to sanity. And then I made, took four outreach calls before I got not an answering machine. And this gentleman talked to me that entire 45 minutes for me to get home. Because you see, I was ready to go to the 7-Eleven to have my last binge and then Baskin Robbins. And I said, I don't need my last supper. I've had enough of those. And he just talked to me, and he listened more than anything. And I am so indebted to that gentleman whenever I see him at meetings because, um, you know, he did, he did what we're told to do in this program, to help another recovering compulsive overeater. And when I woke up the next morning, a miracle had happened. The release from the desire to eat three to five candy bars a day was lifted. And I've seen that miracle happen to many of you in this room. I've seen that miracle and heard that miracle happen over and over again. And, you know, something I've had to come to learn, and I totally understand this and accept this, and it's really cool for me to talk to people to learn how do they describe their higher power, because 
you know, for me to be a Christian and to walk into a room and then to understand and have the acceptance that, hey, I don't want to offend or turn anybody off. Because a higher power is a higher power. As long as you get out of your own head. It's like as long as, you know, we're not playing God. As long as we're no longer the director. You know, as long as we have a power greater than ourselves. That's what counts. That's what's important. And if you can't figure out your higher power yet, because I'm sure there's at least one person here, praise to God to reveal himself to you. Because, you know, God will. And um, so about the physical part, because my journey began abstinence that next day. And uh, it's been incredible. You know, my first year I felt was a lot of physical recovery, losing a lot of weight. But um, as I mentioned, I had been doing overeaters. I mean, I've been doing Weight Watchers, and it failed me by itself. Weight Watchers by itself failed me. But I felt that it was an awesome food plan. And they say, get a food plan, and that's what I knew, and that's what I was doing, and that's what I continue to do. So, you know, when I was assigned this topic, I thought, but I'm not going to a Weight Watchers convention. I'm not going to be talking about that all the time. I But no, it's, it's about the 12 steps, isn't it? Um, but I will cover just briefly the reason why my food plan works for me, I think, um, is the fact that I involve the 12 steps in OA. But what that food plan does for me, it keeps me accountable to eating a certain amount of food a day. So it doesn't matter what, what food plan you have, what program, by itself, that probably isn't going to work if you're sitting in this room today. But to have an accountability of something that has guidelines, walls, you know, for me, an open-ended three meals a day that didn't have structure to it, for me, wouldn't work because I know what I'd be doing with my food in those three meals. But when I was told, write down your trigger foods, the Dignity of Choice book is incredible, and we just read the section, you know? If it's something that slips you up, if it's something that breaks the serenity, it's probably a red light food. I pro- I, my red light foods that I identified right away is the recreational sugar, the refined sugar. I even said two-point bars at Weight Watchers, even though they don't have refined sugar in them. That corn syrup is in them, and, and I could never eat one. I'd eat all four in the box. And, um, you know, the ice creams, the brownies, whatever. And as time went on, more has been added to the list. Um, I identified Diet Coke as being a substance that I abused. And for a year and a half, um, and it was a miracle to have that relief, I've actually had two in the last month. Kind of shocking. It felt like an accident that it happened. But it's something I'm concerned. I want to make sure that I don't go back to that. Uh, you know, and I've, I've given up white flour at times, and it feels great. And I've... I've added it back in. So I guess I'm not there yet, you know. It's that progress, not perfection. But it's things I'm identifying. And this I can tell you. But when I stick with the amount of food that my food plan tells me I'm supposed to eat in a day, I either maintain or I lose weight. When I decide to eat more than that, I gain back weight. 70 pounds came off, 11 came back on. Of those 11, the majority of them are back off. What happened? Well, I think God wanted to teach me a lesson so that I don't feel too pompous, so that I don't feel like, oh, I'm on a cloud up here, you know? And when those 11 pounds came back on, all in abstinence, because t- I'll tell you what, it was extra rice cakes, extra peanut butter, extra little bit here and there, and extra, you know, a fourth more than what I'm supposed to eat in a day. And over four or five months, that adds up. So what I learned from all that is to ask myself, what was working so well when the weight came off? Because I didn't even notice it. I was deep into a spiritual program. I was deep into these 12 steps. I didn't notice the weight. I heard compliments at meetings, but I was like, yeah, yeah, well, I'm working these steps. I'm digging in, baby. I'm calling it, and I've continued to call in for two and a half years the food I eat every single day. It's written down. I'm honest. 
Having honesty is so important. I can be honest with myself and honest with another person. Despite what it is, I'm a little bit there, you know? And um, and so the um, the idea for me of just staying within the points and realizing what had happened is I wasn't I wasn't doing my spiritual prayer walk every morning for 25 to 30 minutes. It was only 10 minutes, five minutes even. I wasn't digging into the steps. I was floating in step 10. I wasn't um, journaling as thoroughly. You know, I just asked myself, what's going on? Besides the food being more why, you know? And, and then I really just made a call to somebody that had regained 90 pounds. And I said, what do you do? What is going on with me, you know? Just, just, just remember what you did before where you surrender and you get that willingness. And I prayed for that. And I said, I'm going to start something new with my sponsor. I said, I'm going to write down what I'm going to eat tomorrow. And then just for one day, I'm just going to eat that food and that food only. And that's been since May 18th that I've done that. Now, have I veered a little bit? Yeah, I have. But it's written down. And I think that's, you know, a remarkable thing. Um, you know, I think what the big book says, this is a spiritual program contingent on our daily reprieve. It's a spiritual fitness daily. And you know what? What that means to me is it doesn't matter if yesterday I just got in oodles and oodles of my morning prayer, my, my journaling that I do every morning, my step work I do every morning, and I now read eight minutes, eight, I, I saw the word minutes, so I said minutes, but eight, um, eight books plus, plus two more. I guess I read ten books a day. Does that, I'm not saying that to make it seem, no, these are daily devotionals, you know, the one paragraph from the Voices of Recovery or four today. And, um, eight of those are conference approved literature, two are my own Christian devotions. And that centers me. You know, I mean, it's amazing. If I don't get right to it right away, and now I'm talking about my spiritual food, because I call that spiritual food, and I have to have my spiritual food before I can have my physical food for the day. If I don't get to that spiritual food within the first half hour of waking up, and all of a sudden I start having fears and whatnot, um, you know, fretting, I mean, I'm so busy that sometimes my head starts spinning. And I went and I read the literature for the day, and there was information about fretting. Not fretting, it only causes harm. Hello. You know, so I get what I need. The medicine is right there using that tool. Um, and so it doesn't matter if I had a great day yesterday or if I had a crappy day. You know, today's a new day. And that one day at a time that this program offers, I think, is remarkable. Um, I have one more recording I want to share with you because um, this also was recorded in the first two weeks. And I guess I want to share it because, um, because I'm up here speaking and this has something to do with service and what I thought about it. And it's good for me to hear it. So I'm heading to the Monday evening meeting on the 27th of January. And um, um, I just wanted to tell you a couple of thoughts here. I wanted to record a couple of thoughts. And that is that, you know, I did not to start a with a desire or the plan to gain a lot of my friends. Probably quite the opposite, actually. I was thinking of it being more, you know, becoming mine, even coming and getting information and, and all that. Not um, something that I would be, oh, maybe a group of people that share the same abnormalities that I share and have the same problems I have, and so therefore these will become friends that I would buddy around with and hang out with and, you know, and I can see that that's probably what's going to happen and it really doesn't scare me like it did 
in the beginning when I started to see that might be what happens and when whether to stop doing is outreaching and I'm learning how you serve me and I just realized am I ever involved in enough organizations? I I certainly wonder when this is started, but you know I really need to get so hyper about it and I'm trying and I'm sitting in and it makes sense to do that and I can see how I've always been a believer in volunteering and giving back. But when I started, this was not the organization I wanted to get back to. But now I can see where just the more you start doing for something, the more it makes sense to get back to what naturally want, or at least that's me. Yeah, so I'm happy to be up here sharing. Um, with the last two minutes, with the last two minutes that I have, I just want to tell you that I think I've learned so much in this program, and, I, and I've learned it from you guys. I'm new. I'm so new, and it's the people that have been here, you know, that I look to and I get the information from, and I just try to process it. And I think acceptance and attitude are so extremely important. You know, if you take attitude A, giving it a number one, and go through the alphabet B, a two, three, a C, a three, attitude actually equals 100. 100%. 100% is attitude. And I had an experience on what my attitude was going to be just Friday. I, I had been growing my nails long. I usually keep them short. been growing my nails long for a month because I wanted them to be beautiful for my 10-year wedding anniversary, which happens to be today. And bless my husband for coming to support me and being willing to just use our anniversary yesterday and last night to stand the Queen Mary. I was going to have beautiful nails for him. And I go to get a manicure and pedicure, and the day before I even went to the place to make sure they were open that early in the morning, and so they knew I was coming, they knew I was coming. And when I arrived, I thought she said, you know, oh, you have a manicure pedicure, sit down. And so I sit down, and they're starting to do my thing, and all of a sudden, I looked over, and they had clipped all my nails off below the sub, the pump, the little padding. And the horror on my face, and the look, and they said, what's wrong? And I said, I said manicure, not still or whatever you call that. And, you know, I misheard her when she asked me because she said Phil. And, oh, we fixed it, we fixed it, we make it look pretty. And I just said, God, let me just try to do this. I'm so things I cannot change. And I just repeated that over and over. And I said, and what's my attitude here? And as they kept doing it, I said, it'll be okay, it's only now. It's 100% attitude, right? Acceptance, you know, it's only now. And it'll still be beautiful, you know? And so it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And how many times every day do we have to say this or else we probably could eat over everything that happens, you know? And so I'm just so delighted that I can share with you. I know it helps um, my recovery tremendously, and so I really wish you a wonderful recovery. Just keep coming back, and we'll see each other down the road. Our second speaker is Melissa from Los Angeles. Hi, I'm Melissa. I'm a compulsive overeater, no doubt about that. Hi, everybody. Um, to get some of the numbers out of the way, I've been coming to these rooms for over 14 years, and in March I took a candle for 12 years of abstinence. And that is what happens when I do my part. I let God do his part even sometimes kicking and screaming, and I do that just for today. Um, you know, and let me just give you a very quick background. I think that our, my experience has been that our backgrounds are all really similar. We probably wouldn't have, we wouldn't be sitting in here. Something brings us, something brought me to these rooms. I couldn't stop eating. That's what brought me to these rooms. 
I didn't have the words to say I couldn't stop eating, but I couldn't stop eating. Um, um, I come from a real ugly childhood. There was a lot of physical abuse, and like with that, there was a lot of emotional abuse and a lot of shame and a lot of ugly stuff happened in my house. Um, and eating comforted me. I don't know. I, you know, I believe I was kind of delivered to the planet where I was going to abuse something, and food was the thing I gravitated towards. Um, I'm grateful that I had it, looking back. Thank God I had it. I didn't have anything else, really. And it really did save me until it didn't. Um, I found my way to Overeaters Anonymous um, after many diet attempts. Something always happened on the 14th day. I don't know. I could do up to 14 days, and then it was like I was constitutionally incapable of doing any more than that. Um, I went to acupuncturists and therapists and nutritionists. I took AIDS candy. Anybody remember AIDS candy? To give, to give candy to a compulsive overeater as a weight loss, I, I just insane, but they were good. Um, anyway, whatever. What I really wanted was for somebody to tell me how to stop eating at appropriate times. I didn't, again, I didn't have the words. This is all looking back. Um, I just needed somebody to tell me how to stop eating. So I had a friend at the time, this is 14 plus years ago, who had a relative who was in OA house. This is the part where I say, take what you like, leave the rest. And I went to an OA house meeting. I don't know why. I know it was somewhere in Santa Monica. I'm from, um, I'm over in Los Angeles. Um, but what I liked was I heard that I wasn't the only one who did these things with food. I heard I wasn't the only one who hid it who lied about it, who stole for it, who ate out of the trash, who hated going to dinner with friends because that was taking time away from my food and how dare you get between me and my food. I hate you. It was all about my food. It truly was. And it's a progressive thing. I, I, um, I have about an 80-pound weight loss. Forgive me, I did not bring my pictures, but I certainly have the scars on my body to remind me that I really do. Um, I ate all day long, and if I wasn't eating, I was thinking about it. And it's not, you know, half the, more than half the time, 90% of the time, I don't think I even tasted the food. I inhaled it, and I laughed because I'd never binged on ice cream because it was too cold and I couldn't get it down fast enough. <laughs> I wasn't one of those people who spent a lot of time baking and cooking because truly I had no time. When I needed it, I am a junkie. I am a food junkie. When I need it, I need it now. I don't have time to bake it. I don't have time to heat it up. I really don't. I like room temperature stuff. Or I, I'm like a, like a food temperature chemist. I would have, I would call Domino's and know that in 30 minutes the pizza was coming and I would have enough food to hold me for like 45 minutes so the pizza could cool down and I could shove it in my mouth. I couldn't get it in fast enough. There wasn't enough. The world didn't have enough food for me. Um, and without God, the world still does not have enough food for me. Um, so, since, since um, the topic here is our eating patterns and developing a plan of eating, I want to kind of focus on that. Let me tell you that the road is a lot different today. My food is far different today than it was when I first started abstaining. If I ate that way today, I would weigh 300 pounds. Truly, I would. When I think of the amounts of food that I ate and lost weight, it is mind-boggling. It really is. I have to also say that my food plan is not three meals a day. I'm hypoglycemic. So I eat three meals a day, two snacks, and an optional snack at night. And it's funny because I call, I call my food in. I've done it for 
12 and a half years. I write it down. I've done it for 12 and a half years. I call it in at the end of the day. And I always call in something in the evening, a piece of fruit, a serving of almonds, which to me is eight something. I eat that night snack 5% of the time. But God, does it comfort me to know that it's there. It's like a life preserver. Um, so my food has narrowed a great deal. Um, I know that if I pick up if I pick up a binge food today, I'm gone. I don't know that I have another recovery in me. I believe I do not. So I hang on to this one with everything I have and by praying to God. Because if I pick up cakes, cookies, candy, pizza, whatever that is, I will lose everything. Everything. I will lose... Well, I certainly won't come to meetings because I'll be so embarrassed. I will lose my sponsor and my friends in this program who I have great love and affection for. I will lose my boyfriend who I have great love for. I, will, I won't give a damn about work. I really won't care. I'll show up, but I'll do half-assed backwards work and not really care. I'll probably end up losing my job. I'll lose my apartment because, you guys, you see, I'm a junkie. I am no different than somebody who's on skid row or somebody who's shooting up in the middle, in the, in the streets or in some flop house somewhere. I am no different. My head is the same. I just use something different. And what I use maybe isn't that glamorous, and it's not that sexy, but it takes me to another place and it alters my mind. It alters my mind so that every single thing in my world that is dear to me in this sober moment means nothing to me compared to getting that next bite of whatever. There's a line in here that strikes my core. We believe that the body and mind of a compulsive overeater reacts differently to food than the body and mind of a normal eater. That will never change for me. My actions change. The things I eat change. But that wiring that is in me is just as in me now as it was 15 years ago before I came here. And the analogy I give is that I can't turn, you know, a Volkswagen into a Porsche. I can't. They're both cars. They both have wheels and front seats and, and whatever they have. You can't do that. I am never, ever going to be a normal eater. I will never understand what it is to have one cookie. I won't. And I, I talk about my boyfriend in this respect because he's not one of us. Um, and he has cake twice or three times a year. He doesn't really care for it. <laughs> I, I have no words for how odd that is. It's just completely foreign. And I just look at him, and this is the thing that strikes me as funny. So he'll get his cake and he'll eat it, and invariably he'll say, Oh, it's too sweet. Oh, it's too dry. There has never been a cake made ever that has been anything other than fabulous. It could be burnt, it could be stale, it could be frozen, it could be half-cooked, it could be lopsided. It truly doesn't matter. It's a cake. It's a cake. And so I have to remember that just as I will never understand what it is to not care for cake or donuts or ding-dongs or he doesn't like hostess stuff either. He's so strange. <sighs> but I love him. Just as I don't understand that, somebody who is normal does not understand and will never understand 
when I say, or when we say, if I have one, I've got to have 500,000. I can't just have one without eating the entire bag. That is because the body and mind of a compulsive overeater reacts differently to food than the body and mind of a normal eater. And you know, I'm in acceptance of that today. It just is what it is. Um, I surrendered to that real early on because I knew I was different. I knew that when I had to when I had to go to dinner with somebody and I was eating a salad in front of them and I'm heavier, 80 pounds heavier than I am now, not not being in the moment, just thinking I want to just be over, hurry up and let this end. I want to go home and eat. I've got to eat. I just want to be my, by myself, eating with the drapes drawn and the phone off. I want to be by myself. It's a solitary, shameful, embarrassing, soul-torturing hell. I was a slave to it. And I'll tell you, as sure as I'm standing here, if I pick up today, I'll be a slave to it again. My eating disorder is bigger than me, will always be bigger than me. But I have got to every day reach for a God that is bigger than it. I have got to reach for a God that's bigger than it. I don't always have a connection to God, but every day I reach. Every day I reach. And every day I pray for a connection. In the morning when I do my, um, when I have my quiet time with God, or this morning it was my walking time with God, but in any event, I ask that God, please take care of my food today. Please make my food choices for me today. Please pick the amounts that I eat. And please help me to be okay with your choices and acceptance of your choices. Please don't let me fight your choices. So if I say that in the morning and then I go to lunch or dinner with somebody and we both get a salad, the exact same salad, and theirs is bigger and I'm pissed because I get mad, I get to say, you know what? I prayed that you take my food today. I'm, I'm out of it. I'm out. I, okay. All right. Just let it be enough. And that ha- that prayer in the morning helps me so often in the day when I don't get the amount that I expect to get. The other thing specifically food related is that um, I describe my food plan as eating like a zoo animal. I eat the same bunch of things at the same time every day, just like it's a zoo. Um, I, they slot me for lunch at noon, at noon. I have my snack at three. And there are some days where I watch that clock and it can't, it's like it never moves. And so when I'm at work and I'm watching the clock and I'm like, God, it's only 1.30. I could die before my snack. So I get my outlook and I write, I make myself a reminder, 3 o'clock. I set myself a reminder, snack time with like a little, hot, like a little happy face and like, you know, because it's, it's a celebration. <laughs> and, you know, doing that action has helped me so much because suddenly, I know it's all taken care of. I will be reminded. Let me get back to the business of the business. Um, and sure, and sometimes the reminder will come up and I will have forgotten about it. I'm like, oh, it's snack time. I work in a place where if you're a compulsive overeater, it is heaven on earth. We have, we used to have three kitchens on our floor. Now we have two. They are fully stocked with everything you can eat free. So there is every kind of soda, every kind of newfangled bubbly drink, every kind of hostess, Nabisco, cracker, cookie, blah, blah, blah. And the kitchen is right next to my office, which is also kind of fun. Um, 90% of the time, it doesn't bother me. 
and they they don't understand what I do with food at work, but they know that it's a quarter to twelve. Mel's using the microwave. You got to train them. Um, yeah. um, and they also know not to ask me why you're not having cake. You're not having cake. They they just there's a lot of things that you do it often enough. They're flabbergasted, but they don't ask you. Anyway, so there are times when we'll have we don't just get cakes at work for somebody's birthday. It's like a, I've never seen cakes this big. Where were they when I was binging? Giant, we'll get two or three giant, fancy, beautiful cakes. And these are beautiful cakes. They aren't like the cakes that I would binge on at Ralph. Um, anyway, and, and you know, when we're having a birthday celebration, most of the time, 95% of the time, I will send my sponsor an email. They're having cake at 4 o'clock. I commit not to have, I commit to have no cake. I'll be bringing my bubbly water in there. That's all I'm having. I'll let you know when I'm done. I gotta let somebody know. I gotta let somebody know. Cause sometimes the food calls me. I have to say that for the past couple of months, I've been a food focused girl. I've been a food focused girl. God help me. God help me. It is, I'm happy to say, about an hour and 20 minutes until dinner and I am thrilled. I am just thrilled. Oh, and, I, and on that, that note, no, forgive me, guys, I'm jumping around, but as these things occur to me, I want to share them with you. Um, before I came to the program, I did not understand that there's more food. It was like I had to shove it all in now as if the earth was going to careen into the sun, and I had to get mine. I always have to get mine. Um, so nighttime was a really difficult time for me because I didn't understand that, God willing, I get up the next morning there's there's more food so these days I laugh with my sponsor that you know I call in my food I've written it down and then I say to her and aside from what I've called in I'm done today and there's sadness in that there really is some days and then we laugh that it feels like Christmas Eve because tomorrow there's breakfast and I can't tell you guys how many nights I have been comforted because there's another meal there's another meal I was talking to somebody um, a couple hours ago, thank you. I was talking to somebody a couple hours ago who was talking about his lunch and how it wasn't satisfying, it wasn't enough. And I said, you know what? We get another meal. Because it's like a wasted meal. Don't you hate that? When you go to like the same restaurant you usually go to, you get your thing you always get and it's smaller. But remember, we say the prayer in the morning, so all right, whatever. And whatever has been started has become a really great surrender prayer for me, whatever. All right. Um, and I do get irritated when I see people's portion bigger than mine. We're not, we're not wired normally. I am sure that a normal person doesn't give a damn, doesn't even think to look, which is odd to me. Let me leave you guys with, oh, and let me just say real briefly, whatever I eat today that I still think about when I'm done, that's probably something I ought not eat. It's amazing the things that have ended up on that list these days. Watermelon is on there. Um, Baked yams with nothing on them is on there. A lot of things, and I, oh God, I fought the watermelon. I really, you know, but I could eat a watermelon as big as this room, burp, and have another one. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, I can't do that with broccoli. I can't eat a broccoli as big as this room. Ugh. Anyway, so find the, find the thing. Find whatever, whatever you can't eat your portion of and walk away from it without a second thought, 
You might want to give that to God. Um, I've had my cake, my cookies, my cupcakes, I guess my watermelon. Um, having trouble with that one. Um, for my lifetime, I just had it up at the front. I didn't spread it out like most people do. Um, it's a, a life-saving and life-changing program. A couple key little points before I leave. Please learn to be uncomfortable. I have to tell you guys, I'm uncomfortable right now. I just want to, I want to eat a lot. It doesn't have to be greasy and fatty and sugary. It could be a lot of vegetables. I want to eat a lot. Oh, well. Oh, well. So learn to be uncomfortable and learn to exercise that muscle of discomfort. Please be uncomfortable. That's why I ate. Uncomfortable because I'm sad or mad or angry or lonely or frightened or anxious or excited. Please be uncomfortable. I wish, I wish all of you the experience of being uncomfortable and living through it and um, exercising that muscle. It is a muscle that I didn't even know I had before I came here. Please, please do that. The other thing that's, that I'll wrap up with that I found to be incredibly grounding for me. Um, I'm, a, I'm a CPA by, by profession, which is the grace of this program because I certainly couldn't hold a job or finish school before I came here. And so anything that can be broken down to a formula is something that I love. So here's the formula for recovery. And for me, it's this simple. It is always my action, regardless of how I feel, plus God's grace equals recovery. My action, regardless of how I feel. Do I always want to walk in the morning? Walking is something I've done for the last year and a half. No. Oh, well, you made a commitment. Get off your ass and get out the door. Sometimes just that first step is the hardest. All right. Um, you know, I, I, I committed a year and a half ago to do service at this convention. There were other things that I could have done this weekend. Oh, well, I made a commitment. I made a commitment to be of action and do something this weekend. And it's been great. So whatever your action is, calling your sponsor, calling in your food, making your food list, all the things that we do, all the tools and, and working the steps and whatnot, plus God's grace. It's a partnership I have with God. It has to be. It is my, my peace and God's peace. But God expects me to do my peace. He's not going to strike me abstinent without me doing something. I don't believe it works that way. And on any given day, it's maybe a little bit more me or a little bit more God. But it has got to be both of us. Before this, before this program, I could not stop eating. I couldn't stop eating, you guys. I could not stop eating. It seems so logical. Just don't eat. Thank you. I'll wrap this up. I have to pray to God. I have to reach for God. I don't always have to be connected or even believe I just have to reach. So I hope that that helps. Keep coming back, and thank you. Okay, we will now have 10 minutes of questions from the Ask It basket. And this first question is directed to both, which is what are the first three important things to do for a food plan? Um, off the top of my head, very, a very structured way that I learned to um, figure out my food plan involves three things, three columns. Green light food is anything that I can eat and not think twice about. If it's in the refrigerator, it may go bad before I think of it. I'll help you guys. It's probably steamed vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> the second one 
if anything I like better than the first, but it still doesn't drive me, drive the compulsion, I, I can help you with that too. It's probably something in the area of grilled chicken, maybe some fruit. The third thing is anything I eat that triggers my compulsion. The allergy, excuse me, the obsession of the mind and the allergy of the body. Stay out of column three, you have your food plan. What do you do if you cannot call in your food yet? I, I think this means what do you do if you cannot call in your food yet? You're not willing to call in your food? Is that what it means? Um, if you're at least writing it down, you're being honest with yourself, you know? And so I think that's a, a good step, um, just to simply write it down so that, you know, we can see it ourselves. That, that I think, is a good step. Now, maybe it means because you're out remotely, like we do camping and go road trips and stuff, and you can't physically call in the food, still write it down, and then it's there. And then when you can get to the phone to make a call, call it in. I'll, I'll tell you for me, yesterday, for example, um, because my husband and I were going out for our 10-year anniversary dinner, I knew I was going to eat a lot more food, and I literally, on the back of an envelope, as I ate it, wrote it down, because I knew I would forget. I knew I would forget. By the time the appetizer was over and we were on to the next course, I knew I'd forget. And everything adds up. So as soon as I ate, you know, the appetizer and I wrote it down, I'm like, wow, I'm already that high already. Wow, okay. And But, you know, it was written down and it was there and, and I used some caution in that way. So I think writing things down is a good start. And then I still called it in that evening before going to bed. So. How has your food plan changed since you've been in recovery? <laughs> it's, it's gotten smaller. <laughs> the road has just the road has just sort of naturally narrowed. You know, I'm amazed sometimes when I um when I eat like if I get steamed potatoes and there's a whole bunch of them on my plate like there was last night. I I usually set them aside or I put them on another plate because that's too much for me. That has got to be God. My 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 food has gotten more grilled and steamed, huh. um, and the portions have gotten smaller. And that's it's fine. It really is fine. God's doing it for me, and He's helped me to just be comfortable with that. That's what I have found has changed. I just wanted to add to that also. I have found in this program when I ask people what do they eat, and I actually hear from long timers what they're eating, it, it kind of shocked me. I'm amazed that, that a grown man can eat an apple and an ounce of cheese, you know, for breakfast, or just say a half of a cup of oatmeal and a fourth of a cup of blueberries and a fourth of a cup of cottage cheese. When I heard that from one of the archaic old-timers, I said, really? Well, I'm going to try that for breakfast, uh, only mine will be a little bit bigger. So instead of the, the, the half, mine's three quarters. Instead of the fourth, mine's a half. Yeah, I figured I'm more active maybe or whatever. But, you know, it's smaller than what I was eating, and, and at least it gives me an understanding of how little we need. It is shocking. And as I've gone on in time in this program, and it's only been, like I said, two and a half years, so I, I, I wait until I'm at the 10-year mark and see what you know I'm consuming. But it is amazing the littler amounts that I'm discovering that I need. And also adding to that trigger 
food list. I also heard it said one time that the things that are probably on the yellow light list are foods waiting to really be put on that uh, red light list. And, um, yeah, watermelon? What about bean cherries? Yeah. I am very familiar with that fruit and just, uh, I'm not ready yet. But, you know, at least I count them out and I write it down. So, anyway. Since the size of fists varies, how can one determine amount of food to be consumed? Oh, thank God I'm tall. <laughs> no, I, I, I've not ever used that as a um, as a guide. I've never used that as a guide. Um, I don't even know why I got up here trying to answer it because I don't even know. Do you have something to add to that? Oh, why? Sure. Go for it. Okay. Well, I have heard it said that a deck of cards is three ounces. Um, and, and I have a scale and I have measuring cups. And I don't use them necessarily every day for everything. I use the eyeball technique, but I check in every month or every other month to see if my eyeball changed. Um, uh, but there's certain things I do have to measure because when you plop out non-fat plain yogurt in that bowl, I can't tell where half a cup lies, you know. And so and i got to scoop it out anyways with a spoon, so I scoop it out with a spoon that is a half of a cup spoon. So I do think that measuring cups probably is a good tool to, you know, get a clue. And a good health book or whatever can tell us all the portions of what normal is. Okay, I guess we'll do one more question. How did you decide on the specific food plan that you follow now? It sort of evolved, and I believe that it was God-driven. Because I still firmly believe that if I stay out of the third column, I'm doing okay. Guys, you got to know, in 12-plus in years, I've overeaten things. I mean, I have. It's just, it's just the way it is. But as long as I stay away from the third column and I am honest with somebody about it, and I call it in at the end of the day, somebody else knows about it, that I'm doing okay. There's something else I wanted to add just in general I forgot to mention when I was speaking a few minutes ago. And that is, with my opinion, take what you like and leave the rest. I'm not a big fan of willingness. I have found that if I sit over, if I wait to be willing, I will not leave the house because I'm not really willing to do much of anything. But I am an incredible fan of action. And I think that my recovery is a result of taking action. And then more often than not, the willingness follows my action. It doesn't necessarily precede it. So um, I just wanted to share that too because it's been like a cornerstone of my um, recovery. Okay, we will now have open sharing. We will have time for three shares. If you have already shared at another workshop, please give, give others a chance before you come forward. Limit your share to three minutes, stay on the topic, and sign the tape release form after you share. Does anybody want to come up and share? Sarah and I'm a compulsive eater. Hi, Sarah. I could so relate, Melissa, to what you said about not realizing that there would be food left over, food enough for you. And one of the things that I have learned since 
joining OA is there will always be food left at the grocery store. I don't have to buy it all now because what I would do is I would buy enough food for um, my family of origin, family of five, enough food for five people, but now it's only me and my husband. So that was too much food. And then I don't like wasting food. So then I would get stressed. What am I going to do with all this food? Oh, I guess I'm going to eat it. So uh, what I've learned to do is sometimes when I'm looking through my shopping cart, I'm thinking, I don't need all of this. I can't eat it all in a reasonable amount of time before it spoils or I have to eat too much of it. So I just leave it there and think, okay, that'll be on my list for next week. I don't have to buy all the types of fruit or all the types of vegetables or four bags of lettuce or whatever. It doesn't matter what it is, but I just use moderation when I go to the grocery store and it's given me a lot of relief to realize it'll be there next time. No worries. Thanks. Someone else wanted to come on? Uh, yeah. Hi, I'm Wendy. I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you both so much. That was wonderful. Um, I've been in the program 11 years. I relapsed after three. Um, I'm coming towards eight years again, and uh, I'm down about 74 pounds. And um, oh, thanks. Thanks. And I'm the one. I hated people who talked about weighing and measuring things, and I hated hearing about food planning. You know. Fail to plan, plan to fail. I hated all that stuff. Then I started going to valley meetings because that's where I live in the San Fernando Valley. And um, something sort of shifted in my brain this year. And I said, you know what? These people are happy. They're talking about higher power. They have weight loss. Maybe, just maybe, I could possibly learn something. So things kind of shifted. And today I do plan, you know. But what I picked up from the birthday party this year from a panel I went to that was so important and so great for my recovery was um, the list of actual alcoholic foods on my abstinence list is quite small. It's only three things. My food plan is a lot different. Um, and, you know, one day at a time, I adhere to my food plan. And I'm doing things that I never imagined possible before, but um, I just had to take the action. And then the willingness eventually follows, so thank you for that. But um, I just have to take the action. And, you know, no matter what, it's just, you know, I got tired of making the excuses. Oh, you know... I had a really bad business meeting. I ate some more. Oh, you know, my father annoyed me. I ate some more. I was just tired of making excuses. So when I have the plan, I adhere to it. You know, and I, and everyone in this program is different. For me personally, I don't feel the need to measure my vegetables and my protein. But carbs, yeah, you better believe it. I, you know, that's something that I need to do just for myself, you know. And occasionally, and, and when things come up as they do, you know, the other day I'm driving in my car, ooh, I want to be bad. I want fried this. I want sweet that. Nah, 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 nah. You know, I call my sponsor, and she says, what went on? I said, oh, had an uncomfortable conversation with my trainer this morning. She said, aha, do you see what I mean? Because I, I can't always make the connection. I'm learning more and more to make the connection between the emotions and wanting to overeat, but um, that's why I have people who've gone before me. So um, I'm just so grateful, and, you know, I'm just praying to have the open mind. That's all I want. I just want the open mind, and anything's possible. So thank you. Does anyone else want to share? We have time for one more. Okay. So we can close then. It's now time to close the workshop. Uh, if we 
people want to stand up and get in a circle and join me in a moment of silence, followed by the third step prayer. Victory over them. May their witness to those I'm with 